Warning, the host of this podcast has a penchant for the pontification of puns and an altruistically alienating affection for alliteration. If you suffer a weak constitution or get annoyed easily, you may want to seek prior medical advice or avoid this particularly perplexing pod podcast as the host is unbalanced as a washer full of shoes. Salutations, stoners. Here we are again with another installment of the Chronic Insomnia podcast. Um, thank you guys for listening, of course. we uh, I love your support. We've got a really interesting guest today. Uh, I'm going to let him talk a little bit about himself. Frenchie Cannoli, um, one of one of uh, what I think is, is, is someone who is keeping alive not just a specific culture, but something that is a part of of human culture. So, uh, so go ahead and uh, introduce yourself. Tell us a little about who you are, why you're here. Uh-uh, while I'm here because you invited me, and thank you for that. <laughs> thank uh, you for Who am I? I'm uh, a Frenchie that traveled for 18 years when he, uh, when he reached 18. And uh, I lived for basically 20 years in producing country and made ash in this producing country. Then I came to the States and... Because there is no ash culture here, it's I I needed to uh, to introduce what is traditional ash to a certain point, and uh, to show the science behind. That's basically uh, what I'm into trying to uh, to show the value of tradition uh, with the science backing it up. Right, and 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 you say you know like there isn't, and I and I agree with you there. There's Unless you work in the industry, you know, unless you you've spent more than five, 10 minutes around, you know, a flowering plant or in a drying room and you know what happens when you touch it, there really isn't, you know, a, a history or, you know, a, a background here in the States anyway, you know, as far as hash goes. It's just like, I know, you know, scissor hash and, you know, you can make shoe hash and, and trim and things like that. And like, I've, I've made it known before, but like I was watching some of your, some like the documentary and, and some of your shows and stuff like that. And it. It's one of the oldest, it, you know, by far, it's probably the oldest form of can, you know, cannabis uh, experimentation besides, well, you know, smoking the plant. Um, I am not even sure that they smoke the plant before they made the ash and eat the ash, to tell you the truth. And uh, that's believable. Like, if you look at the history of cannabis, it was born 28 million years ago in the high plateau of Tibet. And it's an evolution of humulus, of ops which is the more uh, subtropical plant. Mm -hmm. So that plant genetically was geared toward going through the grassland and mountainous ranch towards Central Asia and the Mediterranean Sea. And the plant was in Europe six million years before humanity. Right. Okay? Mm -hmm. That means that the plant has been growing in a fertile crescent, the richest place on earth, for four million years before Homo erectus stepped in the, the fertile crescent. So who was here so, first? I mean, it's, 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 the, it's, you know, this is the cannabis's planet. I mean, I, I believe that Homo erectus, which is the genus that had the biggest survival rate, it survived for 1.5 million years and inhabited Africa, and Eurasia from Spain to Indonesia. 
they really knew their stuff. Okay. Right. So for those people to miss such a plant in such an habitat, I don't think so. And the first things you do when you, you want something from that plant, if you're a nomadic tribe, it's food. It's exactly. the seeds. But if you touch the seeds, you get sticky finger. And what you have on your finger, it's aromatic and sticky. There is a good chance that the first ever experience of humanity with a cannabis resin, it's by ingesting a little bit to, uh, to check what it is. Because every plant that those people have found, they were totally, come on dear, uh, the only way of survival is to learn everything from everything you, uh, you encounter. You they would watch would, the animals, they'd eat the berries and see, you know, whatever they were eating, you could eat as well. You that, know, so you would stand to reason, yeah, they don't have fire, so they they would have to. So, it, it, the, I, I, yeah, I agree. The only mean of survival mm -hmm. is what nature gave you. You start barehanded and naked, okay? Exactly. Two, two million years ago, when the smallest cast was 800 pounder, like saber tooth and shit. Right. And the smaller herbivore, twice the size, dude. Yeah, uh, you, you, had to, you had to watch. And they walk from the south, the tip of Africa, and inhabited the whole continent. It's like you really have to, uh, to give respect to such a, a skill of survival. Exactly. It's, it's one of those things like it's back then there, there, was, there was nothing. It was if you were going to survive, it's because of what you did. It's, it's what you paid attention to. And, you know, you had to to you you couldn't go to a store you couldn't barter there was no barter or trading system it was literally what you found you know what you made your home where you know how you survived and and what you watched nature do you know if you watched animals eating something you could eat that you know if you watched you know if you found river you know where the river was or or roots and things like that so so it's it it makes sense that and probably you know you got these these Neanderthals, these 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 Homo erectus walking through these these lush huge plants, and they're covered in hair. And if you walk through it before you you've got that all in your skin, so yeah, like this plant is reaching out to them and saying, hey, you know, like pay attention I to mean, me. You know, difficult it is to bloody hide that plant today, right? Okay, then in front of that you have uh, the ultimate survival survivor who is. Is world knowledge, it's animal behavior, plants, is like everything that it needs, it comes from nature. So everything that nature gives you, any new plant, everything you want to know, everything to be able to, uh, to do something for it. It's like, it's simple. Humanity needed to go through 200,000 plants just the one who does berry and seeds, huh? to get a thousand or so edible plants, a hundred or so plants that you can domesticate, right. and the six plants that are still feeding the planet. Since 13,000 BC, we have not um, domesticated another plant. That's ridiculous. Okay. That, that, that seems, with everything uh, okay. out there, that seems a little ridiculous. They, they <laughs> did know their stuff. So it's like, now, to go from sticky finger to sticky hand, you don't need a stretch of imagination that big. You know what I mean? Right. It's when they go from 
live resin sticking on your hand to dry sieving that it starts to be impressive. And then if you think that they figure out that everything is in that little gland that we cannot even see, and further than that, they used it to press it so they could decarb the cannabinoid and make them psychoactive. Dude, right. How do you figure stuff like that? I mean, it's it's one of those things. It's because if you if you, it, it's 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 amazing to think about, and it's it's baffling. But if you actually if you if you realize that we have those receptors in our brain, so the the plant is talking to us. Like cannabis was meant to be consumed by the human brain, and the human brain is designed to receive cannabis. So if you pay attention, and I, like I said, I was watching your video, and it's 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 interesting. Um, I've I've my my primary background is is culinary so i've okay. i've worked under a lot of master chefs and 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 different things like that and it's i i attribute it to you know to to someone pulling sugar or or making you know noodles by hand watching you do that and through each bag and reading the grains and and reading the water and 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 things like that it's it's one of those things that it's just if you pay attention to what you're doing you know it's going to tell you what it wants you to do well the trichome gland it's a defensive system of the plant. Mm -hmm. So inside it all, everything that the plant has been going through her life with the outside world, it's like a book. It's a bibliography of the life of the plant. This is the book I read. I don't, I cannot read it all, right. but this is, this is my way to understand what the plant expressed because of its habitat. You know what I mean? And it's like, doesn't matter the cultivar, the place change everything. Right. right. I mean, like it's, it's, and that's the, one of the, the beauties about cannabis is, is it's, it's back and forth. I call it the similar differences and the different similarities. You know, you can take one cut and grow it in 12 different places and get 12 different plants, or you can take, you know, 12 different plants and grow them the same way. And it's going to be, you know, you're going to get, the same thing where you're going to get something different and it's not necessarily, you know, how you do it, but it's the environment. It's who you are. It's where you're at, you know, lowlands, highlands, indoor, outdoor, you know, you can do so many different things, but then you can do so many different things the same way. The farmer energy also. Right. Like it, uh, I have experienced it. It's like when, when your farmer is full power and good energy, life is beautiful. The plants are amazing. The year after, he's breaking up with his girlfriend. Then he's mm -hmm. like, "It's ugly, literally. It's it's not good anymore." It's you it's hard. I mean? It's like it's uh, the plant feel it is. Uh, mm -hmm. That's why the, the me I'm uh, I consider like myself like a winemaker. Right. I am hundred and one percent dependent on my source of basic product to make uh, to make my ash. And I wish if we uh, cannabis industry would be like the wine industry. I, uh, the, the best winemaker in the world have not, don't have their name on a bottle. Mm -hmm. It's like, they don't care to be known. What they care is to blow your palate away, to give you something, to give you an experience that you never had. When you have that experience, what really makes that experience, it's not the dude that made the wine a little bit to a certain point. 
because he transformed something that nature gave him in another product. But the goodness of the, of, of the greatness comes from the genetic, the, from the terroir, the land, the climate, the right. cultivar and the farmer. Right. It's, it's just you, you have the ability to, like any master vintner, to read the grapes or to read the buds. You know, you know their potential and you know how to coax out that, that maximum potential. So why not share that with the world? You know, like, why not? You know, if, if you if you, you you can clearly tell that you love what you're doing and you're happy. So why not? You know, like everything else in the cannabis community and in, in the culture and the movement, you know, we, we we're here because of each other. And, and we all want everyone else to experience everything that, that this plant has to offer. Well, I wish it was like that. I consider myself a craftsman. And what I what I know today has been given to me and some work I put on top of it. Right. And to give this to the next generation, it's my duty. Right. It's called evolution. In many languages, same spelling. I'm not doing something different or special. I'm just giving the knowledge to the next generation so they can be better than me because that's the name of the game. You know what I mean? In the cannabis industry, we don't have that sharing to that level where you want the next generation to be better than you because being the best when you're an extractor or a winemaker, well, it's not you. You're that good because you got the product. Right. So it's like uh, the greatness of a winemaker is so dependent on the source. The greatness of an extractor it's so dependent on the source that uh, let's talk about the source that is uh, the source of everything and let's forget right. a little bit about the dude that made it so that it, it's all the brand. It's not the name of the guy who made the stuff. It's where it comes from. Right. Or if it's not like, a, if you look at a wine label, everything is about the source. Mm -hmm. If you look at the label in a, in a cannabis industry, there is almost nobody that gives the source of their product. No, you Out may see like the name of the farms back on the, the back Hello. label, maybe, you know. Rare. It, there is yeah. not one, there is not 0.5% of any product, ash, extract, topical, uh, anything, anything that is made from resin, nobody tell you where it comes from. Yeah. And a lot of it's because trim, like, like, and, and yeah, like you see, you know, in, in, in when you're buying things, you're working in the industry and stuff like that, you know, nobody really pays attention to where you get your trim. Like you, you buy your, your, your flower from the different growers and things like that. And they're like, oh, hey, yeah, you know, I got this, this, this extra couple of pounds of trim or something like that, or some sugar leaf. Do you guys want that? Yeah, sure. Whatever. So I've, I've noticed that. And it's, it's going to, I, I feel anyway, that it's going to take a while, but that's going to start to die down and we're going to start to get more of and for lack of a better word, the artisan, you know, uh, culture, because once everything plateaus and it becomes normalized, we're going to be able to experiment now because now everybody's a little more competitive. Everybody's like, I want to make my, you know, my name in the industry. I want to make my money. I want to, you know, promote my whatever. Um, and it's because it's, it's a state to state thing. It's a city to city thing. So there's a lot of competition. So once everything opens up and it gets a little more you know, broad spectrum as far as regulations and, and customs and things like that. Um, I think that we're going to see a lot more of, you know, what, what you're trying to do and, and what you're, you know, keeping alive is the, the traditions of 
the 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 techniques and the the old ways of doing things passed down generation to generation you know through throughout the years um it's just nowadays it's a very quick flash trendy culture you know everybody wants the carts and the vapes and the shatters and the stuff that they can mass produce and quickly do and everybody yeah. doesn't realize you know that that hash i i personally i love it. it it's versatile you can do anything with it it's it's while it's it, you know what you're doing and you do it well it's not complicated but it's you know it, it's something that it, that takes practice but it is a simple process if you think of it you know step by step it's a very simple process very simple process you know you just have very, to know what you're doing and know what to look for process. Uh, beyond knowing what you uh, you should do you need to learn the science behind the trichom it's mm -hmm. like to give you a, a, i'm a very good example i lived in producing country for 20 years, solid. Every year, I would spend three, four months deep into a producing region to make my stash for the year. Mm -hmm. Okay? So, all my life, I made ash. All my friends make their ash. It's not really a big deal. Then, when you go beyond Beyond that, the, the ability to, uh, to share that, uh, that knowledge, I, uh, I had used many, many tools from different types of sea, from Morocco to Lebanon to, uh, to Pakistan, like many dry saving tech, and I could even stick live resin on my hand. So I had a huge knowledge of the tool, mm -hmm. but I didn't know the product. And when you're a craftsman, there is two things in your life, the product and the tool, because the tool is defined by the product. Right. I didn't even have the right name for the product I was working it. We call that pollen in producing country. So when I came to learning the science behind, it's like, wow, what is a trichome? Right in the plant kingdom. Wow. That's a defensive uh, system of the plant kingdom and it can make 200,000 compounds from the most deadly to the most beneficial and everything in between. It's like, whoa, that's hardcore. Then it's like, okay, what's special with the cannabis trichome gland? Well, it's the only plant that can biosynthesize two toxic compounds the most common in the plant kingdom, terpen, that are mm. highly toxic, mm -hmm. and phenol, you can, you don't OD on phenol, but you can your, make yourself pretty sick. Right. And the plant can biosynthesize that and make 150 plus medicinal compounds, the cannabinoid is like, yo, that's pretty hardcore. So mm. after that, I say, okay, now I want to know how it's formed inside the gland what's going on and then it starts the magic because then I could learn that CBGA is the first one and then mm. it creates THCA, CBDA, CBCA, etc, uh, etc. Et that transform again through oxidation into psychoactive compound when they lose that carboxyl acid, that A. Right. And then you can bring it uh, even further down 
the THC can become CBN, the CBD can become CBND, and that another, it's called degradation. Mm -hmm. But in my book, it's another cannabinoid with a lot of value at many different levels. So it's like, wow, that's becoming fascinating. And now I can make the ash I want. I'm not just making ash. I can make pure CBD ash. I can make ash that has all the, that has no psychoactive uh, effect whatsoever because I don't decarb it. Right. I can decarb it like 30 and 40% decarb and you have twice the amount of THC entering your, uh, your blood system because when you smoke, you transform maybe 20, 25% right. depending how you smoke the, the decarb. So it's like I can give you a much stronger ash. It's like it's my, uh, my, my playground has become much, 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 much bigger. And my ability to, uh, to manipulate and play around with what the plant gives me has multiplied to an, an amazing level. And just because I looked for the science behind so so with with that um how do you feel about the new processes with like the live resin and the presses and things like that where it's it's even even less of a process it's literally just you know putting the plant into the the micron bag and 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 pressing like you're not i mean i do ice water huh? right but th that's not an extraction mm -hmm. that's still sieving right logically Technically speaking, to extract anything, you need to take it from something that holds it in its body, from a matrix. Mm -hmm. Okay? A trichon is a protuberance. Mm -hmm. So, you, technically speaking, you cannot extract a protuberance. But on top of it, that gland is attached to the stock by an abscission. Right. An abscission, it's what attach a fruit or a leaf to a tree. They are meant to fall at maturity by themselves. Mm -hmm. So it's like, do you extract fruit from a tree? I don't think so. Okay? Right. That's a, and for me, it's super important because the tech, if you think that you're extracting and you read the definition of the word extraction, it's not going to give you any clue using ice water. Right. If you read the definition of the word sieving, then you have the logical approach to your uh, to the methodology you use. Mm -hmm. And so that's majorly important. You extract when you take the resin from the gland. Mm -hmm. And then you enter different territories. It's very much like wine and other alcoholic beverage. Okay? To make wine, you need to crush the whole fruit. Mm -hmm. And you need to store it in certain way and edge it to get to greatness. That's what I do with the ash. There is a transformation that happens in the body because the matrix that created the resin or for the, for the grape, the matrix that created the juice and right. the sugar mm. is inside the wine and it creates a transformation. For wine, it's fermentation. For ash, uh, we don't we don't have a name. We have never studied it. I'm just starting with a, a company in Canada. Mm -hmm. We started a, a study research on uh, on aging. Uh, 
And uh, when you take the resin from the gland, you leave a huge part of the equation behind. It's very different. If you smoke ash and the resin made from that ash, the experience is radically almost opposite. Right. They're both very interesting and, uh, and amazing, but they're very, very different. So why we are trying to compare different techniques to create different products? It's like from grape juice, you mm -hmm. can make many different uh, alcohol up to 99.9% pure. Right. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So now in the, in, in the industry, there is many modes of extraction, but everyone is, my extraction is better. Rosin is better than BHO. BHO is better than this. And this is better than that. It's like, dude, are the people who are fanatic of whiskey would dare look down on the craftsmanship of somebody would do 25 years old tequila or cognac. Right. Or, you know what I mean? It's, it's, like, it's not better. It's it's the same different. in different categories. It's different. Like it's, it's, you know, apples yeah. and oranges. Like it's all fruit, but they're completely different. Why don't we, why cannot we appreciate the diversity that the plant is giving us and giving credit to the craft that create all those amazing stuff? It's like, it's different. Pay respect. If you have the time, even you maybe want to learn from, right. from this guy, even if it's not your, uh, your stuff. But it's like, at least show the respect for the dedication the dude has to create a great product. Even if you don't agree with the product, even if you don't like it, you cannot say that what you do is better because right. it's not true. <laughs> and and I'll, I'll admit, like, um, I've, I've, been, I've been smoking cannabis the majority of, of my life. Um, but I will admit that up until probably my, my mid to late twenties, when I started working in the industry, I didn't realize that, you know, you could smoke a joint of weed and it's going to be one feeling, or you could smoke a joint of hash and it's going to be something completely different. And when I started to realize that, and that's when extractions and, and the concentrates and the different sides started to come out a lot more. And it's like, wow, there, you know, this, this one thing has all of these different, you know, properties. And we're, we're constantly finding new cannabinoids and, and you know, uh, the, the new phenotypes and, and terpenes are, are now a big thing. I mean, they've been around for a while, but they're a big thing now. People are starting to ask questions about them more. Um, but, yeah, I think that's one of the things is is people need to realize that it's not just, you know, a high. It's not, a, you know, just that that feeling. It's not like if you smoke this and this and this and this and this, you're all going to feel the same. No, like if you smoke this, you're going to feel this. If you dab this, you're going to feel this. You know, if you hit this, you're going to, you know. So I think that's one of the things. And, and, and again, it's it's nomenclature and it's recognition. And it is about understanding and an appreciation for what's, you know, what's being done. But I think that that once people start to realize that it's not just one thing, it is a plant that that becomes endless. I mean, for most people, it's two things, indica or sativa, right? which is really bad because it's not even accepted uh, as a botanical uh, source. You know what I mean? Right. And when people talk about indica and sativa, actually, they're talking about the effect more than the look of the, the plant. Right. And so if we talk about effect, well, it's not... A, a plant 
that is tropical or a, a plant that comes from the mountain of the Hindu Kush, it's not where they're born that it's going to give you the effect. It's not even the spectrum of cannabinoid that's going to give you that effect. It's a terp. Mm -hmm. The terpen make it all. So if you, depending on your ex, the experience you want to feel, you have to pay attention to the main terpen of the, of the flower you're, uh, you're buying. Right. Or the ash you're buying or the extract. It's like that's what really makes the difference in the experience. What are your what's your opinion on like the the synthetic terpenes that are out now? Um, like I, I I saw I've always felt like you can you can definitely tell it's got like a dust flavor on anything that you've got when there's synthetic terpenes. It almost like it's it's difficult to explain in a flavor palette wise, but it almost tastes like a separation between the flavors. So it, so what is your like with with the thought on on that I, that's becoming a thing? So I wouldn't touch synthetic terpene because there is amazing source of natural terpen mm -hmm. in a huge quantity. I really don't understand why you would go for synthetic. But also, like I say, terpen are highly toxic. Mm -hmm. It's not made to smoke. The right. plant can transform it into something beneficial, but that's only the cannabis plant. Right. Okay? So when you go into adding terpen, well, there is plateaus that you have to respect. You go into something that is it's aromatherapy. It's, uh, it's pretty scientific. It's not something you play around with. Mm -hmm. Like you have to be really careful with your terpen. You don't want synthetic, but even the natural one is like, I lock you in a room and I pour terpen here. I can make you feel any any feeling to a level where you're going to ask for, uh, ask me to stop. You know what I mean? Right. Just because that terpen has such an effect in, uh, in our mood and our, uh, our system. So when you ingest it and you smoke it, you need to know what you're taking and you, especially the amount of, uh, of it. It's like, there is uh, too much is just too much like everything else if you go to a certain level well it's not medicinal anymore right it's toxic again yeah so what is what is your what was what was the the that kind of that early moment on when when you started that you you realized that this was it this was what you wanted to do and you know this is this is what you wanted to to spend you know your time and and, and life energy on well, <laughs> the first one mm -hmm. is like I, uh, I had a childhood where I was brutalized uh, with love by my parents right. and brutalized without love by the education system. Okay? They beat the shit out of me. Right. And society for me was everything I didn't want to have nothing to do. I learned how to lie and fake my, fam my mom and dad's signature, I was 11 years old. Okay, it's like, society was creating uh, the worst environment for me when I was a child. My uh, outside, uh, my way to get 
outside it was reading adventure books. And my heroes were like crazy dudes like Burton who discover the, the source of the Nil, who went to Mecca, who uh, translated the Thousand and One Night. Uh, uh, another one is a French dude who spent 25 years in the Red Sea Mm -hmm. smuggling ash and weapon. Like I, I read this book about smuggling ashes. I was 11 years old. I didn't know what was ash, right. but like his life in the Red Sea, smuggling and diving and all of that stuff. I was, wow, this is the life I wanted. Mm -hmm. You know, I wanted that freedom. And then I became a teenager. Sex is too much part of your life. You forget your kid dream. Right, your childish dream. Uh, and, and, you know, yeah. and I was 17 years old, facing life. So it's like, as much as I had hated my childhood, society, adult life, looked like it was going to suck even more. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? It's like, whoa. That's the perfect analogy. Yes, it's so, going to suck. <laughs> but I, 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 I was stuck. I didn't know. I didn't know. And my best friend, After worrying about for six months, actually invited me to smoke my first joint. He was worried that our uh, friendship would be broken because Ashish was so evil at that time. Right. He was afraid to scare me off, basically. He did not. No, it never did. <laughs> it brings people together. It never scares people. And that first joint, it's like I... Uh, I find the joy I had when I was a little boy, when life is so beautiful that you love for the pleasure of loving. Mm -hmm. You run just because running, you know what I mean? It's like right. that pure, pure pleasure. It's like this brought everything back into perspective. And the only things I wanted again was to get out of Europe because mm -hmm. of the pressure when you smoke ash, because don't people telling me that is the most evil thing that I could do to myself, to my family and my best friend. I didn't really trust society because they keep lying to me all my life. Okay. And I was like, I was feeling such a joy out of it. There is no fucking way it can be that bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, exactly. But the pressure was so intense that Uh, my only way out was definitely to travel. Right. And as soon as I was 18, I traveled for 18 years solid without even going back to France. Right. That's what I did. What, what was, what was in that, in that, that time of traveling? Like what was one of those things that, that just kind of blew your mind? Like you, yeah. you had to take a, a moment and say, I'm actually here and doing this. Like what was, what was that moment? Um, There is quite a few, but I think the most intense was in India because mm -hmm. India came later. I did a few ashish producing country before where you work in a winter because it's dry and, uh, and cold right. and you deal with bundle, dry bundle of flour. So there is nothing really sexy about it. Right. And already my, my culture make me not look at the flower And uh, because I look only, I, I'm looking for the resin. So I didn't have that, uh, that relation with the plant until 
I went to India where you literally stick the resin on your hand, the plant live standing at the peak of its flowering cycle in a remote valley in Himalaya at eight, nine thousand feet. You have eagles flying. It's like it's it's intense. The smell mm. of it when you roll. It's like months after months. Every day the resin seep into your body. Right, it dyes your skin. Like, I never really think of it, but it's like, you're so loaded. It's <laughs> terp and cannabis that it, it's unreal. The feeling of, it, it's simple. I never went back to a, a, a ash producing country after my first time in India. There mm -hmm. is nothing in my life that could have stopped me spending three, four months in a mountain. Only the birth of my daughter broke mm. that. <laughs> that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty powerful. That's, yeah. that's, that's something, yeah. It's something so amazingly intense. It's a, it's an overdose, an orgy of terpene and, uh, and the, the plant. It's like it's there, live in your hand. You just caress it slightly. It's like you don't even destroy it. You, right. Yeah. Uh, it, it wants it's throwing it at you like it just it wants you to take it it's you know if you crush it you're gonna have water mm -hmm. and uh, and chlorophyll which you don't want no. if you have water on your on your resin it doesn't stick anymore so you really have to be nice and li light in your uh, in touching the plant to be able to uh, to collect the best of the best quoi. Mm -hmm. So what is your, what's your opinion of the industry today? Like, like how, how it is right now, you know, with, with the legislation, with, with trends and products and, and everything, what is your opinion of, of, of the status of things right now? Well, in America? Um, yeah, currently. Cause you're, yeah. But you live in a bubble here. Mm -hmm. like you really have to understand you're an island. Right. Everything is different. So, uh, Ash. And sieve resin is part of the concentrate. The American ash is unpressed. It's white. It right. looks very much like a BHO. That's how it started. The, the name. The wax. And, solvent, yeah. The ice wax. Solventless extract. The whole anal PB people talking about extraction. It's all a comparison with BHO because BHO is the groundbreaker. Right. They are the cutting edge. They have the most amazing tool that is used by the perfume industry to capture the most volatile terpene. It's like what they can do, mm -hmm. it's, uh, they're showing it every day. You know what I mean? It's right. like they're the one that brings the new, new, that mm -hmm. everybody copy doing different tech. You know what I mean? Right. And... America is really into the concentrate world, but mm -hmm. extract. The rest of the world smoke ash. Right. The impact of, of extract on the world market, it's really hard to, uh, to figure, but it will not be as impressive as it is, uh, as it has been here because it was born here. Right. Concentrate was extraction was really truly born here to the level. Mm -hmm. uh, we were making all in a good old day in producing country, but it's like this is 
beyond that range. You know right. I mean? When you create great product. Uh, the market here, it's not legal. Mm -hmm. As it's like, how can I be legal when on my packaging, I'm telling the public that I'm selling an illegal drug into the legal market with right. the benediction of the Californian states? That's not legalization. I mean, yeah. it, it could always, almost be called racketing. Because Definitely. It's, it's always been kind of like a compromise market between the legal know, and the illegal. If you go to Japan and you go to sell, even sell stuff in a, tree, in a street, and you're in a Yakuza district, in a gangster district, well, you give them money. Right. Again, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, there is, if you sell something on somebody else's turf, especially if it's illegal, and you have its benediction, uh, it's, it, it's not legal. Right. Like, so it's, it's kind of one of those things that, that, it's progressing, but especially here in the country. And you're right, we are in a bubble. Like it's it's definitely a, a trend or a niche market. It's it's not how it is in the rest of the, the the world, where you know it's 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 a part of culture, it's a part of society, good, bad, or indifferent. You know, it's not just a trend, it's not just something to to get the the two floors, you know, of the Senate fighting against one another, or you know, it's it's it is a part of human history, you know, ups and downs everywhere else, and it, it needs to be respected and treated as as the you know the amazing ancient entity that it that it is it needs to be unscheduled i mean look, right. everybody knows the history of prohibition can we can we accept that we made a big mistake and it should have never happened and we start from zero so that we can actually study the plant mm -hmm. the real plant not the stuff grown uh in uh, wherever here, you know right. what I mean? It's like, there is so much scientific data proving that we made a huge mistake, that it was mostly based on racism and, Fear and, and, and promoting you know, the old industry byproduct. Right. It's like, okay, can we accept that that was a huge mistake and it's time to go beyond that, leave the oil product and the racism behind and mm -hmm. get into using the most important natural resource we can have to change the planet. You know what I mean? And work together for that. It's like right. we we need to reach that point. Because like the, yeah, but that's unfortunately the one thing that we have to overcome is just that. It's just swallow your pride, admit that you fucked up. Like like it's it's out now. Everybody knows the proof is the proof is you know is, is everywhere. And so it literally was just, you know, it was, it was the reefer madness. It was the crazy propaganda. It was because they wanted to control the population and they wanted to remain in power. One dude that has never mm -hmm. even checked scientifically. It's like, so when you're in power now, it's not you who made the mistake. It's that guy so long ago. So it's like, uh, yeah, it's your, your government that made it happen. But uh, the impact it would have... Mm -hmm for the U.S. to uh, to just unschedule so the U.N. can totally unschedule too. And then you have a world market. Right. Then we're talking. Then you need to compete or for quantity or for quality. If you want to grow quantity, you better visit some producing country mm -hmm. before you make that decision. 
Right. Because those people have been growing quantity for millennium. As long as there have been people around. <laughs> Illegally. And right. they're using genetic that is adapted to their, uh, to their region. So they don't mm -hmm. need the support infrastructure, the cost and everything that come producing it in quantity here. It's right. like, I'm telling people, literally, if America goes for quantity, America will not be relevant in the game in the next five years. No, not at all. Of world legalization. The only edge, true edge that America has come from Innovation. the West Coast. It's the genetic, the diversity of the genetic mm -hmm. and the know-how of the people. It's the terroir they have. Right. Like they have unique, uniqueness. Mm -hmm. And in my eyes, Norcal is a Bordeaux of cannabis. I have seen many producing countries. I have never seen that. Right. It's like that, that sheer diversity of terpen, of, uh, of plant. And it's plants that have adapted through generation in those, in those places. This is actually the only edge you have in a world. Right. If you don't protect those farmers, if you don't protect the small farmer and regenerative farming, not only you don't have a chance in a world market of cannabis, but you're going to finish destroy your land. Right. There is very little time left for us poisoning the soil mm -hmm. that we have. If we don't go into serious uh, husbandry of the soil, if you don't give life back to the soil, if we don't do regenerative farming, well, we don't even have a future. Right. You can only take so much, right, before there's nothing left. Absolutely. And I, I, I love... I love everything, and it's 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 really good, and it's refreshing to to hear you know people talk about what needs to be done, you know, regardless of of opinion or or you know what what other people think or like it's there are sometimes that the, the world just needs to to do it, and like when you say with with our only shot here in America, I, I think you know there, there's nothing wrong with one over the other. There's nothing wrong with doing quantity or nothing wrong with doing quantity. So you shouldn't feel bad, you know? And I think in, in here in this country, we, we try to do everything and as much as possible and we need to stop. It's retarded or stupid or bullshit or whatever. Um, but I, I, I think that, you know, that you're absolutely right. Like if we try to compete with, you know, with, with, a, with, with other countries that have been doing this since those countries existed, you know, we're, we're going to lose. We need to, the innovation and, and the, the advances and things like that, absolutely. Or if not lose, you're going to have a serious competition. Right. While nobody does quality. And people telling me that doing only quality is not possible. Dude, look at France. Exactly. That, look at Italy. That's yeah. what we do. We do quality and we're fucking proud of it because <laughs> we can do it. Exactly. You know and I, I think... Mean? Yeah, and I think that's what I was talking about. Like, once everything normalizes, we're going to see. It's it's a bit of a struggle, but once everything normalizes, we're going to see the more craft side of it and 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 the pride. I um, but I, I and I love I love talking to you. This is wonderful, and I want to do this more. I'm gonna have to we're gonna have to cut things a little short. We're running out of time. <laughs> um, but uh, so so again, thank you, Frenchy Canoli. Um, check out all of his stuff. The the YouTube. Check out his your 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 site. Uh, 
Frenchiecanoli.com. What is it? Frenchie, what's yeah, the Frenchiecanoli.com. You have not only you have the video I have on YouTube, but you have all my writing, all the book I read, the reference I used. I've got all those uh, up here reading them right now. <laughs> you have a, a chart of um, of classification of concentrate. You have a chart of um, a kind of scoring system that goes beyond uh, uh, test uh, potency and uh, and smell. Uh, and you have everything about that uh, initiative on uh, aging ash. All the results we get, we, we're going to post them here so that mm -hmm. people can follow the, the progress of the study. It's wonderful. And it's a lot of information. And the, the Frenchy Dreams of Hashish, I love it. It's, it's, oh, a, yeah, it's, exactly. it's an amazing documentary. It's really good. <laughs> um, so check all his stuff out. And again, guys, thank you so much for, for listening and supporting. Thank you, Frenchie, for being on. Um, I, I loved hearing your story and helping you tell your story. And I, I hope to, to work with you more in the future. Um, and thank you, guys. Check out MJBulls.com, everything that they have there, all the amazing podcasts. Uh, if you haven't listened to them already, shame on you. You're a horrible person. <laughs> no, uh, check those out. Um, thank you, guys. Uh, it's, it's, it's great you know, doing this, uh, listening and, and, and helping people tell their stories. So uh, thank you again. Appreciate everything. And remember, tune in, toke up, and think. Chronic Insomnia Podcast.